Hi again, and welcome to the fourth episode of the podcast, Rebranding Feminism, A Look Inside Women in the Music Industry. So today I'm going to be doing an interview with Tracy Fenton, who is the Principal of Leadership at Totem Hill Consulting in Ottawa. And although she doesn't work in the music industry, um, she's the only woman at our consulting firm, and she has some really great insights about feminism and what it's like working in that environment and all that kind of stuff. So I'm going to be showing you the interview I did with her, and I apologize in advance because we did do this interview outside and it is a little bit windy, but just know that the periods of wind do go away, so I apologize for that. And uh, I hope you enjoy. Okay, so what's been your greatest challenge in your career so far? By far, the greatest challenge of my career was switching careers at age 40. So being in in the government in for the Correctional Service of Canada when the kids were six, uh, four and six, yeah. five and seven, something like that. Yeah. And I knew right away that although it was an amazing place to work and I was going to learn a ton, it was not where I wanted to be for the rest of my life. Right. So I knew that by the time my, young, my youngest son, Max, was 18, finished high school, that I would want a master's and be able to live the next 25 years of my career in something more fitting. Yeah. So I was always on that timeline. Was it money that motivated you, or was it just to stay in the job? Oh, no, 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 it didn't. So I did a lot of, um, like, assessments to see where my values were in terms of my career. And so I figured out my five top values, and corrections only fit one of them, which is how I, which is why, like, oh, no wonder I feel stifled here. No wonder I feel frustrated. Um, So that was... That's how I made the decision to do something else. And I had no idea I'd make more money. I, I thought I, I could have failed. Like people thought I was nuts to leave the public service. Yeah. Because I was on a really good career path. Right. And it's very, very secure. Like you have a pension, you can't really lose your job. Yeah. And, um, but when I had done one of those big sort of career values assessments, job security was 59 out of 60 for me. So it's just not something I value. Yeah. And greatest challenge as a woman? Um, oh yeah, being being taken seriously in the business world for sure. Okay. So what do you do to be taken seriously? Well, I take the advice of a lot of other very strong women, and I take the advice of a lot of books. So stuff I've I've read, and it's so true. So something really simple, like how you dress, or how how I dress and how I present myself. Yeah. For instance, on casual Fridays, let's say, or at a retreat, where the men will be wearing um, a golf shirt and their Tiva sandals, God forbid. (laughs) (laughs) You know how bad this scene is. (laughs) You're right. Um, Or, like, 
casual Fridays where people are wearing flip-flops. Yeah. As a woman, if I want to keep, if I want to be taken seriously, I can't ever let down my guard to yeah. that degree. Um, things that I would want to do, like when I was a manager in corrections, I would totally do things like bring in food for my staff. In yeah. business, I would never do that, even if really? I love to cook. Yeah. Why? Because it, it, and you know what? I've only I've only been in in kind of hardcore business now for six years. Yeah. And I may feel more comfortable when I'm more into my fifties. Yeah. Um, because there is a bias against age as well. Okay. Um, so maybe I'd feel more comfortable. But at this stage, it's I'm already stereotyped often enough without also like bringing in food and getting stereotyped yeah, as, yeah, the, yeah. as having enough time. Sense. And you know my world, it's if I have time to bake for, yeah. for overweight. But if you men, if you bought food or whatever, would it be the same kind of It could be. Like issue. I'm always on guard about that. So for instance, if, um, when I first joined the company, we had a retreat and it kind of fell on me to organize it. I'm taking on. Right. You consider yourself a feminist? I do. Um, so what's your experience been carrying that label around in the workplace? It's I love it because I don't mind stirring <laughs> stuff up. Yeah. Um, I also, working as a consultant is a little different than working inside a corporate structure. With your clients, do you express your feminist? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. I don't lead with it, okay. right? Like, I don't carry a banner. But if they asked you, yeah. I don't know Yeah, they would ever ask you. Well, like sometimes, direct well sometimes gender stuff comes up. Okay. So, for example, I might hear this happened, like last summer this happened, at a, I was facilitating a half-day meeting. It was only men in the room. And they started speaking uh, negatively and sexually about one of the admin assistants. And I questioned the conversation. I said, you know, she she puts herself out there by, by making these comments to you guys, knowing, I don't know what she knows, but she, I don't know if she knows that you guys will talk about that at the meeting or not, but she did that. But I said, you know, out of support for her, um, you can let her know that she deserves better than that or that you respect her more than that. You don't have to run with it. Right. And so in that kind of thing, one of them commented back to me, like, oh, you're always sticking up for the women. And I said, yes. <laughs> I, said, I said, well, I'm a feminist. I said, I'm a feminist, and I pay attention to gender dynamics in the workplace. So, yeah, I do. So I'll say it that way. I would never disown it, but I don't come in. I don't lead right. with it. Yeah. Have you ever experienced someone being really negative when you express that you are a feminist? No. No. No, I don't know what impact it has on them internally that they're not saying. Like, have they ever said something and been like, oh, I didn't, I don't want to offend you or I don't want to talk about that with you or something like that? No. More, um, the pushback I've gotten is like, well, I'm a humanist. So okay. there's this, uh, because I'm not mincing my words about 
what I value right. and what I see as power dynamics in business. I'm not glossing over that. Um, that sometimes can bring up, but what, that's what I have heard, that um, someone will kind of snap back at me with that they care about all people, not just women. Okay. So the times <laughs> that that's happened, I've said, I've said, oh, that's a really interesting conversation to have. Do you really want to go into that right now, or do you want to kind of carry on? And I've left it with them. I've said, if you ever want to talk about that more, I'd love to. And that never is did. the definition of feminism to you. To me, um, what it means is it's a recognition, an open recognition of still, on this planet, uh, a real power imbalance when it comes to gender. And it just means not glossing over that. That's all. And, that, and underneath it, for me, is a belief that both genders, all humans, benefit from um, equalizing power. And that's true of racism and uh, stuff around religion and stuff around age. And, right. So, okay, well, I asked, do you ever feel embarrassed or stigmatized? But I guess you don't really. No. No, I don't. I think at this stage in my life, there may have been a time when I did. But you know, I've never been concerned about that. I, I think when I was younger, I was often, I quite often people thought I was lesbian and somehow this was supposed to be some big insult, which always, <laughs> that's a whole issue in itself, yeah. that that was considered an insult. Right. But I had to catch myself. I mean, this is when I was younger. I would be quick to say that I wasn't lesbian. And then I got feedback from a beautiful mentor woman who's 25 years older than me, and she's yeah. a feminist, and she pointed out to me that when I am quick to state my heterosexuality, what I'm doing is um, entrenching the notion that being heterosexual is better than being lesbian. So that was a really important, I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so after that, I stopped doing that yeah. and uh, just sort of enjoyed and was amused by whatever labels. Well, I guess people are just trying to make you feel insecure. Yeah. And, you don't and have to feel insecure. No, think no, couldn't care less. And of course, now I love, I love the ambiguity. I like that. I like using the word partner. I like. It just so happens that my partner has a male that has, has a name that can be male or female. I love that too, and I yeah. never specify. <laughs> People probably think it's a woman all the time. That's that's cool. Whatever. <laughs> what what it ends up highlighting is how important it is to other. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. For them to find out and yeah. put a <laughs> judge you based yeah. on that. Yeah, be in a box. Do you think that feminism is still relevant today, or do you think that... I totally do, but it needs rebranding. So what do you mean by that? Um, it needs to be... Uh, so what do I mean by rebranding? Like, what should the rebranding be, I guess? What's your vision? Um, I would love to see it not be, I would love to see the concepts behind it as I understand them. There are so many forms of it and there are many women, some of the academic stuff I've read and some of the organizations I've been involved with would have a totally different definition of it. Branding is accepting that there um, there are many definitions. If someone chooses to self-identify, that is a great opportunity for a deeper conversation about the philosophy and the beliefs that underlie it for that person. Because even having the conversation openly, I think, 
like a real back and forth in the conversation is yeah. something that my mother anyway, probably our mothers, well, your mother's a lot younger than my mother, but my mother, certainly, she was in her 30s and 40s and the 70s. The only conversation they could have, rightly so, was one, was much more one-sided. Yeah. Like the women, my mother's generation had to yell to be heard, and they had to. They had to break through something that was so entrenched. And so for me, the rebranding is that the conversation doesn't have to be um, so alienating anymore. Um, so that's, I'd like that to be part of rebranding. I'd like there to be no shame in acknowledging the truth of it. You look at any metric, who is running the planet? Who's running the media? Who's running the music business? Who's running Fortune 500 companies? Who's running politics? It's not women. It's not even close, it's not even 10%. Yeah. So what is really, what a rebranding to me would be that everyone, all humans, men and women, could look at those stats and say, whoa, that's not acceptable to any of us. Yeah. If I'm a man, I'm interested in having a lot more uh, female colleagues up at the top. And if I'm a woman, I'm much more interested in my concerns. There's also a class issue in here, which I'm glossing over. A lot of the way I speak and the way I think is very middle class and very white, because that's my background. Yeah. So I'm really aware of that as well, okay. that if we were having a really big conversation about feminism, it's not complete hey, without women of color, Good. lesbian I, I women. I that's redundant. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. So I'm actually not yeah. women you know, of lower class. Also. Yeah, Honestly, transgendered. Yeah. Like, the conversation isn't complete without all of us. And what I love as part of the rebranding is that the conversation can happen um, in a way that people can listen and speak. But I'm also aware that as a middle class white woman, heterosexual, I'm not as oppressed as others. So it's all fine for me to say I want a back and forth, but there are probably lots of people who don't feel that the world is even ready for that and that they still have to yell. expecting so much. <laughs> no, it's great. It's really great. So, I like sushi. You think the women still need to be fighting yeah. for their rights or do yeah. you think that no, it's I like kind it. of overkill? I, I think they need to no, maybe not. I they need to be continue. They need yeah, to continue to talk. Yeah. They need to continue to say, "Hey, I'm noticing that out of yeah, I'm thinking of all my clients. Out yeah. of 12 people on a senior team, there's one woman." Do you think that so, that's yeah. totally based on like oh, men being oppressive, or do you think that it's no. like mental choice, lifestyle choice, like women being nurturers more if they mm -hmm. want to have a family, do they? Oh, you can ask my ex-husband, I'm like the worst nurturer ever. <laughs> so not all women are nurturers. Okay, but, but in, in general, in general, kind of, we can um, say. No one, no one and I was just So let's see. Um, and I was running around getting a I think it's overly simplistic, and I, for, I don't think it's useful to the conversations I want to have anyway, so I'm being very self-centered here. I don't think it's useful to the conversations I'm interested in having to say that men are oppressive, because so many of the men we work with and we know, and our brothers and our dads are so not that, and our partners and our sons. <laughs> they, my sons, I mean, they they get it, and they're not, they're simply yeah. not oppressive, yeah. nor are they oppressive in their relationships. 
what I think still is very true is that this, all the major systems that have been set up, they were set up years and years and years and years and years ago, and they were based on uh, a male, a white male perspective. So those systems and institutions, I think, still tend to be very oppressive. And one of the ways they're most oppressive is how they penalize people who choose to have children. And there was just a fabulous article in The Economist like three issues ago, so in one of the August um, weekly editions, about kind of the stats are in, this is not a surprise, but the reason that more women aren't in leadership positions is because of what happens to your career when you have kids. There's just no way around it. And men who stay home with kids, which is happening more and more in younger generations, they experience the same thing. Right. So it's the system that's set up on such a false premise about what it means to succeed. So do you think that women would want to go back to being high-powered business people even when they have small children? No, because the system doesn't permit it. But I think over the generations, if you get enough um, mixture, if you get enough diversity, right, not just gender diversity, but enough diversity in positions of power, yeah. this might be naive, but I think the systems would be kinder. With more diversity, generally better decisions are made that suit more purposes, not just one homogenous purpose. Yeah. I think that maybe different definitions of success would be permissible. Um, and I think that maybe more family-friendly institutions could be... I think there are good examples of this all over the world, but they're just not very rampant yet. Like, doesn't it, doesn't, isn't it, it's nuts to me that in most, in big companies, there aren't, all of them have daycares on site. Oh, really? Like, why don't they? Oh, why don't they? Like, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. It's insane. Um, in that same article in The Economist, so something like, don't quote me on this, you'd have to look it up, but something like only 4% of top executives of Fortune 100 companies are women. Yeah. And of that 4%, 56% of them either don't, don't have a major relationship or don't have children. Whereas with the, with the rest of the males, it's something insane, like there's only 15 or 16 percent that aren't partnered or don't have children, right? So their wives don't have to work and they can say, that's right. <laughs> Someone needs to manage the house. Yeah. And the kids. I guess you kind of already answered this, but okay, in your own company, in your own career experience, how would you like to see a change in terms of women's issues? Um, no, it's a great question. Well, one change I'll be implementing is some of the, patri the, the patriarchal language I hear. Um, and I'm sure, I have no doubt that, especially as a white middle-class person, I engage in racist language all the time, so I'm not aware of it. Yeah. Some of the patriarchal language that I hear, things like referring to a young woman as naive, as opposed to acknowledging she's new and she's young, so she doesn't have a lot of experience yet. Yes. Great, what's her development plan? Just like every new young person doesn't have a ton of experience. Right. What, what do we want to tap into yes. that makes our work stronger, and what do we want to do to develop this person? Yeah. So I hear the word naive um, attached to women. I hear, um, I see a lot of those double standards, like when a, when a man gets very emotional, it's considered passionate, and a, when, when a woman becomes emotional, it's considered emotional and out of control. Yeah. That's language I hear. I, I've received this myself, but somehow I lack the gravitas to be working with high-level 
executives, which is gravitas is just another stupid word for like old and boring. Okay. It's a Latin word meaning seriousness. Okay. <laughs> Basically. So you're not serious enough. I'm not serious enough. And and that's been really interesting. Yeah, because it just hasn't proven to be true. Right. I most of my clients are top level executives and I don't put on some stony face and a beard when right. I walk in. So, um, but that's been language that's been used in my own company to let me know that I'm not quite ready for the big leagues like the old guys are. Yeah. Right? So, that's definitely something I wouldn't permit, and I don't permit, but I would definitely not permit that. Okay. Um, Do you think it's possible for these changes? To oh, happen? yeah, totally. I don't, I don't know if it's possible for, for certain, certain men in this case to really get it, okay. but it's possible for them to change their behavior. Yeah. One thing that's great about the business world is that in many ways results speak for themselves. So the men in my company anyway have backed off a lot since I've had a lot of success with my clients. So, but if I had been, I think if I'd been um, less confident, at, and there's periods of my life where I've been a lot less confident. So if I was at one of those periods, yeah. I would have been out by now because I couldn't have withstood right. the, the constant insinuations that... When you first started there, was it much worse? Oh, it was so it was bad. bad. It was so bad. Like, in what ways was it bad? Um, constantly getting consulted on clothes and relationships and never on... Business, and and the thing is, I love closing relationships. Yeah. So I have no. I think that's <laughs> fabulous to talk about that. Yeah. And I'm also there for business, and I have a lot to say about yeah. clients, and I, <laughs> I think about my work a lot, and I have a lot to offer. Yeah. Um. I can think of so many. Like once when there was a potentially new person coming into the company, he and I got into an argument almost right away because he said he wanted to he wanted to have lunch with me, this new person, potential new person. And I said, great, what would you like to meet about? And he said, um, he said, well, I want to talk about beautiful women in the boardroom. <laughs> and I said, well, I'm not sure what makes you think I'd know a whole lot about that, so yeah. you might want to try someone else. And then <laughs> yeah. my colleague felt uncomfortable, I don't know how he felt, but he stepped in at that moment and yeah. said to the new guy, oh, I told you she'd have strong opinions. <laughs> okay. It was so patronizing, and they didn't yeah. even realize it was patronizing. Really? Yeah. That sounds terrible. But those are just tiny examples. Yeah. There were many. Do you think you would have gotten hired there if you didn't have a connection? Yes, but I don't know if I would have lasted. Because one of the first things that I was told when I started there, when I commented that there were no women, was um, I'm not sure, you know, we haven't had a lot of success with women staying in the firm, and I'm not sure we have um, what it takes to satisfy a woman's needs, was the quote. So, do you have anything to say to that? I d no, I just oh well, I, uh, no, I was just I just put it in the back of my mind, like yeah. okay, we'll see how long I last. Right. So they have had other women, but they just couldn't yeah. stay for a very long time. Last that long. But in all fairness, uh, what I want to say is that I, it has been a burden carrying, kind of being the only female, especially because. 
gender dynamics are important to me, and especially in the kind of consulting I do, uh, I think it's completely dishonest to pretend they're not there. They're right. a huge part of culture, and they're a huge part of how people relate. Um, so it's been a, it's been heavy in the sense that because I've been the only woman, I carry the burden of having all those conversations. Right. Um, and I want to add that I've chosen to stay because I love my company in the sense that the work that gets done is really good. Yeah. And the, the men that I'm close, to, the men I have to work with the most in the organization have been willing to engage in these conversations with me. So there's some that haven't been, right. and I don't really work with them. And when I have more control, I'll, I will make decisions about that. Okay. Uh, but the men that work day to day with me have been willing to engage, which is really kind of what I said at the beginning. That's yeah. the kind of dialogue I want to have. Well, I don't think I have any more questions. Is there anything else you want to say about it? These are good questions. <laughs> yeah. So much. Um, so, I think, yeah, there's just so much to say, but I think that's good. Okay. Yeah.